so much of us are like, oh my God, our horse is a little bit off today. We're so worried about our horse and we call the vet right away. And then like ourselves, we're like, eh, it's fine. <laughs> like, I'm okay. Welcome to the Major League Eventing Podcast, the show for eventing fans by eventing fans. And we'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode, Karen, Exhibitors. 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 We love exhibitors. And this week, we are going to highlight the Quick Silver Shampoo product, Karen. Yeah, get your horse to shine like a diamond. Shine like a diamond? <laughs> you don't want to sing that's not, not the Tell us about the Quicksilver Shampoo, Karen. Quicksilver Shampoo is a gentle cleansing formula with advanced technology that creates intensifying shine for equine hair by optically altering the way light interacts with each hair shaft, creating incredible platinum highlights with bold snow white results. Mm. Yeah. A low sudsing shampoo that rinses out quickly is an excellent stain remover and is gentle enough for everyday use. Used consistently, the optical effects intensify and enhance shine while whitening and brightening gray and albino coats, bringing out silvery highlights. Palmino and cream coats, bringing out golden highlights. Quicksilver shampoo naturally reveals the full intensity of every color within the mane, tail, and coat while providing deep cleaning to leave your horse soft, smooth, and shiny. Soft, smooth, and shiny. That's, shiny. What, that's what I'm talking about. Like a diamond. Shiny and bright like a diamond. <laughs> so, as Exhibitor says, Karen, groom like you mean it. Groom like you mean it. Groom like you mean it. Thank you, Exhibitors. I'm Rob. And I'm Karen. And on today's Major League Eventing Podcast, Rob, yes, ma'am. we have a very special guest. Very excited about this uh, guest. We have Annie Goodwin, who is an international eventer and, and mom to one of our favorite little dogs. Our favorite little dogs. Gator. Gator. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Annie. Welcome, Annie. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Gator is also in our presence. Don't oh. worry. Truth be told, we met Annie... As Karen was trying to put Gator in her purse yeah. and walk away, <laughs> Annie, Annie caught us. I know. She, <laughs> darn. You thieves, so. you. You wouldn't be the first one. Don't worry. Uh, she was just a cute little quirky puppy at the time. Yeah. Her little thing came up to us, and she's just loving all over. She wanted help. She from- wanted help. There was a pack of wild animals. She actually, she really just enjoyed, she wanted to teach my lesson because Boyd was running late. Shocking. And <laughs> She just really wanted to help, and then all of a sudden she got lost, and by the end of it, <laughs> we couldn't find her for a while. Oh, poor little yeah. thing. I was like, oh my gosh, where'd it go? <laughs> and we, but we really didn't know you at the time, or else we would have picked her up and kept her with us for a while. But, <laughs> but she's, instead of, she's just a social little butterfly. She wants to say hi to everyone. She's the cutest thing. <laughs> and her name's Gator. <laughs> did her you name, name is Gator. Did you name her Gator? I know this is crazy talk, but... Uh, Oh, yeah. I named her Gator. And it's really funny because I've actually gotten quite a bit of, um, of slack for, like, for naming her Gator. Everyone's like, why in God's name would you name such a beautiful little girl Gator? Well, what's the answer to I think that? It makes, I think it makes her cuter. Yeah, I think so. I love it. it. Her little doggy bed with her name on it's the best. Oh, my God. I do. Oh, yeah. You've, you know you've gotten me into a, a whole lot of doggy trouble with bringing her around. 
<laughs> I think I think you're in good company, Rob. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm hanging on by a thread to no more dogs uh, rule. I'm hanging on just barely. But uh, so, hey, where where are you right now? Are you are you uh, up north? South? I'm back down. I'm back down in Aiken at my farm here. It is about 90 degrees and it's seven o'clock at night. So awesome. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's a beautiful evening. There's no thunderstorms tonight. It's <laughs> on the radar anyway. <laughs> now yeah, we, we did see you up, up in PA for a bit. Are you, are, do you, do you commute yeah. back and forth or are you, were you just up for just a, a, a show or two? Yeah, so I have, um, I'm lucky enough that I've got a great girl that works for me down in Aiken. Her name's Beth Epling, and she kind of manages my life and manages me and the farm while I'm, while I'm away. And then also, um, she's got a horse of her own and she rides a bit and, uh, is able to kind of keep the horses that we have here going enough so their, um, clients are happy when they come to ride. And it allows me to venture up to Pennsylvania and kind of do, do the things that I need to do with, um, with my horses up there. And, um, it, you know, it's just, it's hard to keep them. I've got, a a big warm blood named, uh, Betterman B or Bruno as his barn name is. And, um, he, you know, it kind of, as he moved up the levels and fitness became such a thing, being in South Carolina year round is pretty tough um, just to keep them fit enough to do the Fair Hills, the Bromonts, the, you know, the bigger shows. Mm-hmm. And I also to get the help that it takes to be competitive at that level. And um, so being able to uh, go up to Pennsylvania and have, um, have the freedom to, you know, the farm is still able to run and, and get taken care of while while I'm away. So all all good. That's awesome. Yeah. Ooh, swooping. I call that swooping. Swooping. (laughs) The swoop between the Carolinas and Pennsylvania. I call that swooping. Yeah. I've I've been doing a lot of swooping lately. I was actually (laughs) just back in Pennsylvania for um Aaron and Keith or well Aaron Sylvester and Keith Canera's wedding this weekend. And um and then I uh, just got back and oh my god Gator's barking <laughs> she would really like I think it's because we're not talking about her anymore uh, her, even her bark's cute uh, yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah I've, I've definitely been traveling back traveling a lot and um, been back and forth uh, I had the last year um, my friend who you guys know very well, Caitlin Silman and I, um, were both in Aaron Sylvester's lower barn and, um, that was great. It was a little bit tight for the two of us and Caitlin's business is just booming this year. So, um, big things, big things happening for her, which is super exciting. And so I just decided to bring my four horses up to Pennsylvania. And I actually went and was riding for Ronald Zabala, um, which was great for me because I could ride my four, but then also um, ride some horses for him. And, uh, and his facility is wonderful. He's got um, really awesome pool uh, to swim the horses and a water walker and basically all the, all the toys to keep your, your horses fit and entertained. So it's been a great, great lead up. And, you know, obviously the plan was to go to Bromont and do as well as I could there. And 
um, make sure I had a super fit horse and, you know, kind of set myself up to do that with riding, you know, my, my own fitness and riding more horses, but also, um, having the amenities that Ronald's place has was, was key. And obviously the gracious for the grateful for the Hills of Pennsylvania. (laughs) Yeah. It's a little, it's awesome. The little things, right? Yeah. That's awesome. Love it. Love it. Love it. We'll talk a little bit more about the business. A little later. A little later. But first, Karen. Yes. So, Annie, one thing we love to do is we love to hear your origin story. So can you take us back and tell us how you got into riding and then into eventing? Yeah. Okay. So um, I have pictures of myself on a horse. My mom rode until I think I was probably due like a week before, and she's almost she's more stubborn than I am which is saying a lot and um she was a steeplechase jockey and also an eventer and my dad was a cowboy and a polo player and the whole thing so I was definitely bred to bred to ride a horse and um I you know kind of started riding and jumping and eventing eventually because my mom you know that was what my mom did and um I did my first beginner novice when I was five years old at Windy, Wyoming, which is like the in Laramie, Wyoming. And it's definitely name. It's a good namesake. It's very windy down there. <laughs> and, uh, so the, I obviously grew up in Wyoming on a ranch and, um, um, so had plenty of hills to run around on and be, do crazy things. And, um, but at my first, my first recognized beginner novice event, I did the dressage and the show jumping. And then I went out to the cross country and I warmed up and I decided to tell the TD that I think I needed to be six to do cross country. So <laughs> I went- <laughs> You gave yourself an age restriction. I, yep, exactly. I did hold myself to my word and I completed my first event when I was six years old. So, oh, um, and then, yeah, I, I was, think I need to be six. That's um, so cute. <laughs> I think I need to be six. My, my mom, I, I've got some pretty good one-liners actually for that. I'm pretty famous for as a child. I'm very, you know, I think there's definitely a reason why I'm an only child. I don't think my ha- parents could handle two of me. That's for sure. Um, and so there, um, I used to, my mom traveled a lot. Um, she moved to Southern Pines and I moved with her and, um, we were, I used to take lessons from Bobby Stevenson, who we all know and love as our, you know, ground jury or a dressage judge. Like he's, he's the man. And, um, so used to take lessons from him and, I, he would be, you know, trying to teach me and I would just run away, like gallop off <laughs> on my horse and he would say something that I didn't like. Oh. Or the, the classic is my mom was trying to help me one day and I said, mom, you train your horse and I'll train mine. Ooh, um, sassy. I was, I was pretty sassy. <laughs> I don't know if much has changed. I, I hope something, if I'm not quite as quite as much of a little shit as I used to. <laughs> I don't know. 
We all, we all got to grow up at some point, right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Andy seems like such a nice... I could never imagine no. her as a sassy little girl. No. Holy smokes. <laughs> Super sassy. <laughs> so, did you stay down there? What, 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 was that, uh, is that how you so ended then, up in um, So, my mom... We didn't stay in Southern Pines for long. My mom actually got a job. Obviously, at this point, my parents were separated And so I was going, like, I would travel back to Wyoming to visit my dad. We ran, um, we ran a dude ranch in Wyoming that has been in my family for fifth gen, like I'm the fifth generation. So it's been in the family for a long time. So I would go back, um, and spend some time in the summer with him. And then I'd go back with my mom. My mom got a job with, um, a guy named Robin Hahn, who is a Canadian Olympic eventer. And she was his assistant rider. And um, so we moved to Lumbee, British Columbia, which is about as far north in British Columbia as you can possibly imagine. (laughs) And it's like logging country. Uh, I mean, it was so beautiful. But I was like seven years old moving to Canada and I went to school there. And like, (laughs) you know, it was it was a little um, a little shell shocked. But um, I you know, it was cool. I was at the barn every day. I would go help my mom at the barn before I went to school. And then I'd take the bus back home or back to the Robin's farm after. And, um, so anyways, it worked, it worked well. My, um, my mom actually had a pretty, um, a pretty bad accident cross country schooling, uh, before an event. And, she didn't know it at the time, but she actually broke her neck oh. and um, she broke a fractured C1 and um, it was a pretty horrendous fall. But like I said, she walked away and two weeks later, she did a one star at Chase Creek oh. <laughs> and then she figured that she actually went to the chiropractor and the chiropractor told her that she should probably go and get x-rays. Thank God. Um, and she went and she went and got x-rays of her neck and then, um, was able, you know, obviously they figured out that she had broken it and she now has, um, a foot long titanium rod that everything is fused to. Um, and so it's just, you know, it's one of those kind of reality checks that horses have a mind, you know, that accidents happen and, um, so from there, obviously, my mom was just, unable, you know, the best thing for me was to move back to Wyoming with my dad and let my mom kind of take care of herself and, and just be able to focus on, on healing and, um, and recovering. And she, she ended up staying in Canada and she lives there still and loves it. Um, and I moved back to Wyoming with my dad and, um, it turned into a little ranch girl, not really, but, <laughs> um, I just, I, I kind of stopped riding after that, um, for a while. I was pretty scared and, um, my dad, I was lucky enough that my dad never really pushed me. Like I said, we had a ton of like dude horses and then my dad, um, he, he roped my first event horse was actually, his name was Spot. And, um, and spot was my dad, o- my dad's old heading horse in team roping. Wow. And, um, <laughs> and then my second horse was one of his old polo ponies, Ziggy. Um, <laughs> and that was the horse that I, that I finally completed 
at age six. <laughs> and um, so anyways, moved back with my dad and um, I started playing sports. My family on my family, super athletic. Um, my grandfather has been a coach everywhere um, at a bunch of prep schools and that was kind of their life growing up. So they would be away during the school year and then they would go back to the ranch in Wyoming in the summer and kind of run the dude, the dude business there. So my dad was kind of the first one to stay year round, um, in Wyoming. And, um, so anyways, I grew up going, uh, you know, I went to Buffalo height or Buffalo school system and, um, it was, there was like 4,000 people in the town. I don't know if you guys know Wyoming very well, yeah. but it's a very big state with not a lot of people in it. Mm-hmm. And um, the town that I actually, like technically our ranch was in, was um, called Banner. And there were 43 people living in Banner, <sighs> Wyoming. And, um, and so then I would take the bus and it was like a 30 minute bus ride every day to, uh, to school, which um, it was a long, a long ride, but in the winter it was great because most of the time I didn't actually have to end up going to school because they, the bus couldn't get down our, our drive or, you know, the, the dirt road, wow. <laughs> the plow couldn't make it out there or whatever. But, um, anyway, uh, and so I started playing uh, a lot of sports. I played soccer and volleyball and basketball and I was pretty competitive with those three all the way through um through high school and um tried to play volleyball in college and I got hurt pretty badly um going into that and I tore my IT band in my knee Mm. and that was that was the end of that (laughs) um but I did really enjoy you know I I was lucky to kind of have a life I have a little bit of an unorthodox um, career path to getting to where I am. I've done a lot of different things and um, I'm, you know, lucky enough to kind of be able to have those experiences. I think they helped me um, today and just the, you know, where I'm at and the mental, the mental strength it takes to do what we do and all, all the above. And by a dude ranch, does that mean it's like, like the movie city slickers where people come or is it like a real working ranch or is this like where city people come in? Well, so the cool thing about our place was it was, um, it, it definitely is city slickers type, (laughs) but, um, we would, so we would get the, those people, but we also had, um, a group like we had old families that had been coming to the ranch since like, you know, 1920s. Um, and cause w- our ranch was established in, um, Gator. 19 Gator is just on his, on his hair. <laughs> He's mad. Gator. That's enough. <laughs> Oh, it's so bad. Um, so anyways, and we had people coming to the ranch that would been, been, you know, their families and grandparents and so on and so forth have been coming 
since the 1920s. And so that part of it was cool because I think especially for my grandparents to be able to kind of see the, see the growth and in, uh, in the families and, and um, keep, you know, keep the tradition or whatever yeah, uh, alive. Sure. And um, so we, um, we would run basically from, it's still very cold in Wyoming in, in June, usually <laughs> like kind of starts to warm up by the end of June, a little, you know, kind of middle to end of June. So, so our season would be basically from like June 15th through Labor Day weekend. And then in the fall, we would have some hunters that would rent out a couple cabins and they would come in and, um, and have the hunting rights to the farm or to the ranch. And, um, my dad and I, like I said, we stayed there and he actually ran a cattle business out of there as well. And, um, so it kept him busy and, um, it was a thousand acre ranch. So there was a, there was a lot to do. Is it still, is it still working? A lot right of work. Is it still underway? So we actually, um, we sold it in 2010 and, um, you know, obviously it was a very like emotional thing to do, but at the end of the day, it's these days super expensive to keep something like that going, especially when no one else really wants to be there in the winter. And he, you know, my dad never wanted it to be a burden on me. I would probably be the only one in my family that would kind of take it on after, um, after everyone else had passed. And, um, I don't, you know, my dad's retired now and he's skiing and living it up in Sun Valley, Idaho. And, my grandparents live there as well. And, uh, also my uncle. So there, they live in a great, I don't know if you guys have heard about Sun Valley, but it's an amazing little town. There's a ton of, just a ton of activity and like super active people. And, um, so he's, he's skiing and there, you know, my uncle golfs and one of the, um, one of the, my grandfather coached, uh, golf at Stanford and he he actually coached Tiger Woods, which is wow. pretty cool. Um, <laughs> and so anyway, there you know it's it's a place where they can all still do you know do activities together. My grandfather's ninety two, and my grandmother's eighty nine, and they're still able to you know get out and kind of go. Um, <laughs> my dad and my uncle are a part of. They are invested in like a uh, a produce. So they sell um, berries and flowers and all, you know, all sorts of fruits and veggies um, that's all homegrown in Emmett, Idaho. It's called Waterwheel Gardens. And um, they sell in the kind of local, at the local farmer's markets. And so my grandparents go down for that and they all kind of partake. So it's, you know, as hard as it was selling the ranch, it's great that they have something to move on to and still kind of look forward to every day and um, they can still be active. And so the people that bought our place um, own the villages in uh, down in Florida and they play polo. So polo is actually a pretty active summer, you know, Sheridan, Wyoming is a pretty, uh, pretty big polo club um, in the summertime up there. It's a great vacation for families and there's a huge high goal, um, polo club called the flying H and uh, it's kind of pretty consistently been getting bigger and bigger. And so that's why these people kind of moved into that area and they love to hunt and fish. And so it's kind of like the little retreat area for them. It's 
you know, it's never going to get developed and that makes me feel better. And um, so anyways, it's a, it's special because they've improved upon the land and, you know, it's not, uh, it was a really awesome place to grow up, but I'm glad that I don't have the burden. That yeah. sounds terrible, but the burden of taking, of taking it on afterwards sure. and trying to run my business in Sheridan, Wyoming. That sounds pretty miserable. Now, was the <laughs> in, ranch, now in the, in the winter anyway. Yeah. yeah right. Winter. So your business now is Rafter Y South Equestrian. Was the ranch called Rafter Y? Is that? Yeah, the... yeah exactly. Uh, yep. Okay. Yeah. So we kind of, uh, yeah, our brand was the Rafter Y and, um, I asked my dad when we, you know, when we decided to buy this place, if I could, um, kind of carry on the tradition and make it Rafter Y South. And so anyways, that's, that's why the namesake for it. That's awesome. Everyone's like Rafferty equestrian. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> <I'm> like, no, <laughs> it is actually a cool story. I'm not that weird. No, yeah, that is a cool story. That I, is a cool it's story. Great. So how, so we go from Miami. How, how did you get it? Like, you know, uh, fast forward, you know, how did you kind of start be, to become like a, a young professional and decide you wanted to do this for a living? And then how did that segue into, you know, the ramp, you know, what you have going now, the business now. Right. Um, so, Go. My dad, like I said, played polo, and um, with that, I was able to meet some great people. One of which, um, her name was Elizabeth Iorio, and she was a very like a big high goal patron. She had a couple really top professionals um, working for her uh, down in Wellington, and then she would come up to. Sheridan and play polo up there in the summer. So I got to know her and I got kind of a reject polo pony homebred um, <laughs> that was bred by a family friend and um, and really good, like a good thoroughbred. He just got to be too big. And so I took him on as a five-year-old and, um, and I had him and I kind of talked to Elizabeth and I really wanted to event him. And she was getting out of the polo world and kind of starting to event again. And um, she, so she was up in Sheridan and um, doing a little bit of both. And she gave me a lesson and she said, you know, if you ever want to be a working student, like we would love to have you and all this. Well, so she was coaching. She had been named the coach of the Venezuelan eventing team. And this was kind of right before the Central American Games, and this would have been in 2009, I believe. Yeah, 2009. And so I decided that that was probably a good idea, and I was wasting my dad's money trying to figure out what I wanted to do in college. So I had been to college for two years, and um, the second semester of my sophomore year, I had taken the horse down, and I put a lot of time and effort into um, into kind of training him and really getting back into riding. I had been, you know, been riding, um, as just casually. And like I said, my dad played polo and I was grooming polo, but I kind of wanted to take it on for myself a bit, but I had no desire to play polo. So I figured that maybe, maybe I would event. And, um, so I started working for Elizabeth. I moved to Aiken and, um, she, it was a great, it was a great kind of start in the working student 
um, position as far as that goes, because it wasn't like you were going head first into like a Boyd Martin program or something like that, where there's just such a high level of expectation and you've got these world, you know, these huge talent, hugely talented horses that you're dealing with. And like, it's you, we were able, the program was very much teaching me how to be a good working student. And um, I was really lucky to have a girl kind of uh, ahead of me named Emily DeFort. And she um, had been with Elizabeth for a while. And she actually ended up, um, she worked for Marilyn Little for a while, uh, eventually um, going on. And so anyways, we both were kind of um, groomed by Elizabeth and her expectations of things. And so that worked for me for a while. And I ended up buying um, a horse called Southern Cross who had done some two stars and was kind of an old, old timer. And he had taken one of the Venezuelan guys on her, on her team um, to the Central American games. And um, he had gotten hurt after and me being a little bit dumb and naive, I didn't really know that much about, you know, like soft tissue injuries at that point. And um, so I, I ended up, by, I got a great deal out of him and it was, you know, like it was, um, it was a very lucky kind of opportunity, but I did have to take my time in bringing him back. And he was, ve- he was very sound, um, but it was just so much of learning how to maintain an upper level horse that was hot and would absolutely jump anything, but like you kind of had to be able to control him, but he didn't want you to have any control over him. So (laughs) trying to learn that fine line of most horses in in the eventing world. Um, And so I worked for Elizabeth for a while and I got, so now I had two horses and I think I worked for her for about um, six months. And then I found a job with a girl, an Australian gal named Caddy Eikamp, who at the time had two pretty top horses. Um, she had ridden around Adelaide um, and the two horses that she had in her barn, um, one had won the ACs, like the intermediate, and the other one was at the advanced level. And it actually, I got to go to Kentucky and groom for him there and just really started to learn the the sport of eventing through grooming and uh and kind of managing these up you know top horses and being able to do that and that was really really special and it was great because caddy again was in a program that didn't have like she had a bunch of clients horses but she didn't have a ton of her own like she just had two so i really managed her two um with the help of her obviously and then uh, my horses as well and um I um, actually got a job with Will Coleman uh, right around the time of the London Olympics. And so I moved to Virginia and took my horses and my dog, Bella, and um, moved and was in Charlottesville and um, was there for a year and then kind of worked for him um, part-time. It was great to be able to work under Shannon Kinsley, who's by far one of the top rooms in America and um, now is working over in Europe and um, just learning, learning horse care from her was by far, you know, just as much experience as learning how to ride. And um, I was very lucky to be able to 
I'm a pretty visual learner. And so being in the ring with someone of that statue, like Will, who is such a beautiful rider and, um, you know, Megan O'Donoghue was, uh, was an assistant rider there and we became very good friends and Alexa Pertel was there as well. Um, and so it was just great to be surrounded by greatness. And I think you rise to the occasion a little bit. And I really, I feel like my confidence and just being in that atmosphere really started to kind of be like, get that confidence of, okay, maybe I, maybe I can do this. Cause for a long time, you know, I thought that I would probably just be a really great groom. And, um, and there comes a point when you kind of, you, you have to make a decision. Like you either you keep going and you're a mediocre rider and you're a great groom or like, you know, vice versa. And so I was lucky enough to be given the opportunity to kind of be a rider a bit more and, um, and, you know, have the opportunity that I never really thought that I would riding for Will. Um, but then also after that, I got a great job working for, um, some hunter, hunter jumper people, um, called Daniel named Daniel and Kathy Geithner and they're based in Aiken, South Carolina. And so I had been wintering in Aiken all of these time, all of this time, but I hadn't really gotten the chance to, or I hadn't really wanted to, let alone needed to stay here year round. And, um, so I started working for Daniel and Kathy and, um, and that's kind of when, things, you know, started to change as far as being, um, I, uh, I bought a horse that I have my top horse now, um, named Bruno. And, um, so they kind of helped me develop him and bring him along. And, um, when Will was down here in the winter, I would lesson with him and they gave me the opportunity. It was actually really special last weekend. I got to, well, two weeks ago, sorry. I got to watch um, a horse that I had not broken in, but uh, it was a young horse that I'd kind of developed as a four-year-old. And um, she just jumped in her in a Grand Prix last weekend. Wow. And so I got to go watch that. And that was really, really cool. Daniel, I mean, just he's an amazing rider and just being able to kind of see. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I think it was four years. I think the horse is seven this year and she's, wow. you know, Jeez. jumping in the big in the big class. So it was pretty special to, to see that and also, you know, have the opportunity to develop a horse like that. Um, obviously they took it on after I left and did an amazing job, but just to kind of be interested enough to kind of start do the, do the starting and kind of be there from the beginning. It was, it was cool. Um, and I had a lot of opportunity to ride and jump kind of there, uh, their jumpers and some hunters as well, which was a learning curve for me. <laughs> but I think that it was important to kind of learn how to get down the line and slowly count your stride and <laughs> all of that stuff that us adventurers kind of, we don't, we don't really do that all that often. <laughs> so, um, it was, it was good. It was a great, great way to start. And then I, you know, kind of found my farm, um, in 2016, I started ta- it was a long process, actually. I started talking to Daniel and Kathy about it in like December. And then I found this place that I, you know, ended up buying and, um, I came and saw it. And then my dad came out and we kind of talked about it and we were like a little bit, you know, wavering and 
then, you know, we finally pulled the trigger and got, got everything done in, uh, in June. And so it definitely was a drawn out process, but I'm glad that I took my time and in trying to make the correct decision and, um, do, do all that. So that's awesome. It's a big, it's a big life changing yeah. decision. Right? Yeah. So you started basically <laughs> your, then starting, you, sorry, you started your business at the same time as when you kind of bought the farm, you said, well, time to set out my shingle yeah. and get to, get to work on my own. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that many people are able to, to do something like that. Like, I think I was pretty lucky in having the support of my family. Um, obviously able to financially help me, um, and support me. Like how many 27 year olds can buy a farm and kind of go out on their own and like, you know, your income that first month is not that much. (laughs) It's a little, it's a little dicey in the beginning. So, um, I, I am very, very lucky in the fact that I have a beautiful, well-established barn. And I think just having that people do want to be here. So if I don't have that many horses in training or I don't have that many horses here, I can kind of open it up and it seems to fill pretty quickly. Um, and, it was a dressage farm and I've kind of turned it into and developed it. And, um, and we've got a great jog track that goes around the farm and, um, there's a nice jump ring and I have a covered. And so it's all, wow. it's a, it's a great place to train out of. Um, and we're, we're super lucky. Obviously it helps in the summer. It's about 10 degrees cooler under there and you're not in the sun. So, <laughs> it helps to get out of the sun for a little bit and be able to focus on the, um, on the flat work and just make sure you can really ride, um, ride them for long enough, you know, mm-hmm. cause I think so much of it in uh, being an Aiken in the summer is like you hack around the farm and they're already sweating. So you kind of have to, um, really, you know, you get up a little bit earlier and, you ride as many as you can. I mean, Doug, I cannot even come close to Doug Payne because he gets up so early and he's on his third horse by six thirty in the morning. Wow. That is not me. I'm on my first horse by six thirty <laughs> if I'm lucky. Like it's um but at the same time, you know, it's survival. You just kinda have to suck it up and then you can take a nice nap in the afternoon <laughs> when it's so hot. Right. How about that? Um so what's the, what's the, what's the business going? Like you said, kind of like, you know, some, like, is it all, is it uh, all competition horses? Do you take horses in to sell or for training or what's exact, or, or is it just like you have competition horses and then you just fill out your stalls? With- yeah. It's a, it's a broad spectrum. We've got, we've covered all our bases. So we have a couple of horses in for sale. We have my horses. Um, and then we have, um, some borders as well. Um, and so it's all kind of, I like to, you know, it'd be great to have all horses for me, but that's just a little bit unrealistic right now. You know, I think so much of it is, um, kind of establishing yourself and trying to make a name for yourself. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm focusing on right now. And I've had the incredible opportunity to lease, um, Aaron Sylvester's, uh, horse Matrace, who she ran around Kentucky with. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I've been able to compete her and, um, we've been doing some intermediates and, um, obviously hoping that the plan would be to move 
Bruno and her up and do some advance this fall. Um, And so, yeah, it's all, it's very good. It's really nice to have a horse of that caliber um, to be able to kind of learn, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to ride with Boyd and Silva um, and they've done an amazing job of kind of help helping me mold Bruno and really turning him, him into, uh, into, you know, an up and coming event horse and top class and having Missy be able to kind of, you know, she's never going to be as flashy on the flat and sometimes she puts her head down and sometimes she doesn't, but, um, she, uh, just being able to have a, a cross country machine like that really, really has helped me kind of develop Bruno and, um, and kind of take him to, from the speed perspective, he's not the fastest galloper. And um, so just trying to learn how to be as efficient as possible. I think you can learn just as much from a horse as you can from a lesson. And so for me, coming back down to Aiken and not having Boyd and Silva, you know, ho- uh, holding my hand and, and or Caitlin, or, who is my like best friend and great eyes on the ground. And um, so just not having those people here, Luckily, I have Missy to kind of keep me in line and, and keep me going and keep Bruno in line. And so she runs she runs the show. She's not here for very long. She's only here for a year, but okay. she's she's the queen of the farm. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. awesome yeah. I love it. How, how big is the farm? Like how much property is there down there? So it's 33 acres, which is just so much grass to mow in the ah. summer. It's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, so sad. Um, but no, it's, it's beautiful. And um, we just, so when I originally bought the farm, it was 25 acres. And then there was this really cool lot that was, had basically never been touched. I think someone had brought, like the developer had brush hogged it once. And it was just like bushes and it was awful. And so my dad, the first winter that I was in business, my dad was so nice enough to kind of come down here and, and help me run the farm and take care of the day-to-day, you know, farm things. And um, so his little project, his baby was the eight acres. And now that is like the prime real estate in this development. I've had so many people come up and offer to buy it. And I'm like, ah, I'm not ready to let it go yet. I think we could do a little cross country schooling area out there or something. So nice. anyways, I'm holding on to it, but it's a great, you know, it's a, it's a really great farm. I do actually have some hills here as well, which not very many places do in Aiken. So it's nice to, you know, you can do some slow canners. I wouldn't sprint any of the horses, obviously, on these hills, but you could do some slow canners and put add in some terrain um, if you needed to. And so it, it does, it works for right now. And um, I think getting Bruno and Missy kind of back fit enough and then they'll go, not that it really takes that much to get Missy fit. So I'm talking about Bruno here. Um, <laughs> Um, doing, you know, kind of bring, he's just come off of a little 10 day vacation after Bromont and all the traveling. And, um, so he will start doing some slow canners kind of at the end of the month and, um, and get back, get back into shape and I'll be able to use the Hills, which is nice. That's cool. Um, yeah, that's it's great. Too. I think that's the one that we met when Karen was trying to steal. Yeah, it Gator, is. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he, he is. He definitely, 
Definitely. It, except it's a problem at the jogs because he always looks better than I do. And I'm like, huh. oh, I have I have to dress well, else I just look like such a deadhead compared to him. <laughs> He's Come on, boy. He's <laughs> He's like this regal, regal white, you know, beautiful, not white, but in big white face and white socks. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta step up your game just to be next to him That's yeah funny. i know <laughs> and do you take on like do you have students and and working students i do yeah i'm excited i've kind of started to to get some more um some more students and and get some more rides around aiken um which has been great uh i really i really love coaching um i think that's one thing that i would like to grow in the business because especially just from the background of playing and being so active and like playing sports and kind of really learning. I've had, you know, my dad coached me, my grandfather was a, was a, you know, lifetime coach. And um, so it's really been in my family. And I just, uh, you know, I think that's kind of the, it's starting to get more, the, a little busier, but the missing kind of link that I would like to improve upon is being able to coach a bit more and, um, and take on more students and stuff. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, I love it. I love it. I bet you'd be a good coach. I think you would be. Oh, I yeah, think I think so demeanor. I'm not. I'm not a yeller. I'm not a yeller. I like. None of the good I like coaches. To, I can be a little bit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. You should. Boyd's a great coach, and when you make him mad, whew, you better run. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't get mad very often, but. He will, he will, you'll want to crawl into a little shell every oh, now and then. Oh, sweet boy. Come on. She's telling stories. Come sweet, on. sweet boydie. <laughs> <laughs> no, by far, I mean, obviously when you get yelled at, you deserve it. So yeah. it's yeah. not, yeah. he is, he is by no means a screamer. He's an amazing coach, but it's like I said, you don't want to piss him off. I wouldn't want to catch him on a bad day. <laughs> that's, that's- that's not my plan. No. Yeah, nope. <laughs> I, pr- I prefer I prefer to not do stupid things in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. You'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> awesome. All right. So, Annie, we're going to have a little bit of fun. We're going to play quick fire questions. Quick fire questions. It's going to be five questions. And you can answer them as fast or as slow as you want. Doesn't matter. All right. So, you ready? All right. Let me add it. Okay. All right, here we go. Uh, do you She's have- tough. Just the, my, I always give the preemptive. Karen's very tough. So these are her questions, not mine. So with that, everyone understanding that, Karen, have at it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Do you have any hobbies other than uh, horses? Any hobbies other than horses? Mm-hmm. Um, so I played volleyball, uh, like I said earlier, and... I don't really have as much time to play volleyball anymore. So I would love to start. Maybe that's something now that you bring it up, maybe that's something I will take on. But other than that, I really, really don't have anything else that I do. I would love to be a avid beach goer. I think I would be really good at that laying on the beach. (laughs) Maybe in my next life I could become a career, maybe a surfer. I don't know. Something Something that doesn't involve sweating all day long in Aiken, South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Uh, your favorite event to compete at? Bromont. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. Bromont, for sure. Fun it's, fact. Uh, oh. It's been, it's just an amazing, amazing facility. And 
the weather, like even when obviously it can be rainy and cold, but um, it's just such a beautiful place. Like mm-hmm. you don't really even care that uh, that the weather's bad. And there's just so many fun things to do around there other than, you know, freak out about your rotting or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, That's Bromont right. for sure. Yeah. Karen, I'm going to, Karen, what was the one thing that disappointed you about Bromont? Um, there was one thing that Karen was very disappointed about. Oh, I don't know. That when we came to the border, they weren't mounties. Oh, they weren't mounties, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Karen was expecting to see mounties yeah, at the I border. I thought there would be mounties, but... Wait, what? I didn't hear it. The Mounties, like the people with the red coats and the big Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, they weren't at the border for you. I I thought we would see them, but... We would see Mounties. (laughs) Right, but you never did. No, not not at all. You're just going to have to go back. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe you can Google it. Figure out where they're at. Yeah, I have to find out where they are. <laughs> right. We don't care about <laughs> Joe rotting. We just want to find the mountain. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so do you have any good luck or superstitions before an event? Um, I, let's see. I would say that I'm not a superstitious person, but I will say at Broma, I started I don't know if it's just when we get inside our head a little bit, but I'm like, okay, I won fair Hill on this pad. So I have to use this pad cross country. And I've never been like that before, but all of a sudden at Bromont, I did that. So I can't say that I'm like a uh, cool as a cucumber and don't have any superstitious things. Apparently I do. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky pads. it is. But I can't, I can't really remember exactly what they were. Like it wasn't, I think it's breeches. And I, I think it was my breeches, like which ones I wore for which discipline okay. and, and the saddle pads. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was, that was my thing. There it is. There it is. All right. Good answer. Good yeah. answer. All right. But I did wash them. I'm not that gross. Okay. I did wash oh, them. Okay. <laughs> my breeches and the saddle pads had been washed. Uh, Don't worry. You, well, you, I hope you didn't wash off the luck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you could ride any horse, past, present, or fiction, who would it be? Oh, past, present, or fiction. Um. So I grew up. I loved that movie, Sylvester. So I would definitely have to say the Sylvester horse. Only because I could relate. I could relate to this little cowgirl, you know, who is like turned into this adventure. And because I kind of feel that that's me, like with her old cow pony that didn't. I mean, obviously, I don't have an old cow pony now, but I think that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Good movie. Good answer, too. Yeah. All right. Uh, can you tell us something about yourself that many people don't know? Um, let's see. I have um, I have an autoimmune disease called rheumatoid arthritis that I feel, um, you know, I think so many people from the outside looking in, you would never know that. And I'm sure that there are so many people with the same type of um kind of issue or whatever. And so that's why I bring it up because I think that sometimes it can be a bit depressing. Like if you wake up and you're in a lot of pain and you don't really want to get your feet moving, like you can be successful. You just have to keep going. And, um, I've had plenty of doctors tell me 
you know, oh, you're skinny and you're healthy and you're, you know, so active, you can't possibly be in pain. And it's like, eh, well, mm. <laughs> yes, but I, you know, I think so many of us are pretty mentally tough and we don't really like to admit that we have an issue or, um, or that we need, uh, that we need help. And, um, I think that it's really, as I've gotten older and dealt with it and my, you know, as I was kind of talking about earlier with my mom, my mom also has it and she, um, she is a classic example. You know, she can't ride anymore. Um, she did take, um, decent care of herself, but I also think that, um, you know, the disease is definitely kind of taking her body to the extreme where she, um, she manages a vet clinic and she's still so, I mean, she's my biggest supporter, obviously my dad and my grandparents as well, but my mom can, I think she kind of lives vicariously through me because I'm able to do the things that she really never got to do. And, um, uh, and so I think there's, just so much for me, it's scary. Cause I, you know, uh, I just am scared to, and that it'll, it can be taken away so yeah. quickly, you know? And, um, so I just, I think it's so important to really try and I'm not saying any of this because I want a pity party. I'm saying, I'm saying this because I think it's really important to take care of yourself and to not always just put your head down and do the work. Like if you're having, like, I think it's so important to kind of stay on top of it because things like this, I'm not just saying rheumatoid, but any, any type of health issue, you, if you ignore it, like it's just going to get worse. And, um, I think that, you know, so much of us are like, oh my God, our horse is a little bit off today. We're so worried about our horse and we call the vet right away. And then like ourselves, we're like, eh, it's fine. (laughs) I'm okay. I don't I'll be fine. I'll just take some Advil or something. And Advil like doesn't even touch me. So oh, I don't know why, but that being said, I still take it. And I'm like, well, that was pointless. Right, <laughs> yeah. Either way, anyway, my insides, it's fine. Oh my yeah. gosh. So, uh, two questions. Like when did you get diagnosed and what are like your symptoms? What are your, what, 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 what hurts when you said the doctors say nothing hurts on right. you? Like what is, what, 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 what is rheumatoid? So, yeah. So basically I was diagnosed when I was 20 years old, which unless you have juvenile rheumatoid, it's actually, I was diagnosed very young. And, um, what happened was I think because I played volleyball as competitively as I did, my shoulders were pretty shot. And so, um, I, my, my left shoulder in particular. Um, and I basically, the reason why they diagnosed me is because I went in to get, uh, like a cortisone shot and they went to put the cortisone in my joint and like they could push it in, but there was a ton of pressure. So what they ended up doing is they aspirated, they like turned me over and they went in, um, in between my shoulder blade and, and my shoulder. And, um, they drew out a bunch of, of fluid and then they tested that fluid and that's how they my rheumatoid factor was like out, out of, out of control. And, um, so anyways, I was diagnosed then and, you know, it's so much more than just like joint, joint pain. Like there's, 
Um, there's actually like in my mom's case, she has like deform, like deforming joints. Um, and so the joint capsule actually changes rheumat autoimmune diseases are basically when your body attacks itself. Like they kind of mirror a, um, mirror a good, like, uh, as a healthy thing and it gets the body to turn on itself. So it's just the only way to fix it is to like, obviously stay on top of going to the doctor and getting your, um, um, I like a biological drug that nowadays there's so much more advanced on the care that they can give you, um, and the drugs that can treat it. And so I think that's obviously, I've been super lucky to kind of take part in, in treating it from the biological perspective of giving yourself a shot and, and all that. Um, and, you know, I think, um, for me, it actually has been when I was working at Will's, it got to be um, the base of the joint in the base of my neck was actually degenerating. Mm. And um, I think just from all of the, you know, he, he has a very big program and the day to day work, not that I was getting overworked or anything like that. But I think just the pressure of doing it all like I had to the doctors basically told me that I had to um, take a step back and else I was, you know, bad things were, were headed my way and it could get to the point where if I kept going, I wasn't going to be able to ride anymore. So I kind of took a step back and I ended up coming, uh, and doing like a bunch of neurologic testing cause I, you know, my nerves and it was, it was just a, it was a pretty scary, scary time. Cause I didn't really understand what was happening. Like it was, um, it was always my shoulders and my knees, um, that were hurting. And then all of a sudden, like neck pain is, is pretty, it's pretty scary. Cause it like the swelling and all that can affect your motor function. Mm -hmm. So, um, that being said, like I could still walk and everything, but it was just so painful. Um, so for me, the most important thing about rheumatoid, I think is that you keep you stay active, stay active as you can within reason. And, um, so I think I'm super lucky to be able to do what I do and want and love what I do so that every day I'm getting up and I'm doing something. And I know I complain about the heat, but, um, <laughs> at the same time, like it, I'm still, I'm still up every morning and, um, and, you know, kind of rotting and, and functioning and, um, so I'm hoping that as staying active and being smart and just trying to take care of myself the best that I can. Um, and like I said, with saying all of this, like I'm just trying to help someone else that maybe has something similar that they think that this is like a debilitating thing, which it absolutely can be. But at the same time, I think so much of it is seeking out good help and, um, and making sure that you can kind of just like with horses, like staying in a fitness program of some point of some sort and, and just, you know, really trying to stay on top of, stay on top of yourself and your mental happiness and as well as your physical happiness and, you know, kind of just trying to take care of yourself where, you know, the horses can't steer themselves. Sometimes if you ride a horse like Missy, you're just a passenger, but you still got to <laughs> kind of point her in the right direction. Right. Oh, so. Holy oh, wow. smokes. Well, thank you for sharing yeah, that. Wow. Holy smokes, what an inspiration. Yeah. So yeah. brave, too, to share that because, you know, that's uh, probably helping some folks at home that are 
you know, going through stuff and had yeah, kinda, you know, it, it, it looked all perfect and happy and chipper on the outside, and then you know, we all have our personal stuff that we deal with. And thanks, thanks for sharing that. That's uh, sure. amazing, Karen. Yeah, yeah, of course. You're asking the tough questions. Oh. <laughs> So we always have to give a grade A plus a yeah. A plus plus with the so. quick fire questions. <laughs> Andy, thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, that, that was, was great. great. Awesome, awesome, mm. man, man, oh man, she's helping people. Karen. Yeah, wow, that's wonderful. So on on that note, do you have any advice for a young rider wanting to make it in this sport? Yeah, um, loads of it, but I'll no, I'm just kidding. Um, so. <laughs> The most, um, I think that becoming a working student is obviously the most important thing, but I also think that being a working student in the correct program is the most important thing. And so if it's something where you've been training with a particular person and that's going well and, you know, you've gotten to the point where you've decided you've graduated high school or you're taking a gap year or whatever, and you want to continue riding with that person I think that that's really great but I also think that being open-minded and maybe um, if there's a program that you were interested I think so much of um, of the burnout can be learning how to be a good working student and I think sometimes it's better to go to a smaller program than being thrown to the wolves and like it's great to be a big time working student for a big time rider but the attention that you get and the quality of time that you get can be can be you know limited based on your skills and if you're overworked and you can't put as much effort into your daily work then that rider or professional isn't going to put as much work into you and I think that if you can get into a smaller program that's a little bit more detailed first and then you go into the big programs and you're a rock star then you can you know there's you just learn so much more and so that's why I'm so thankful for Caddy and for Elizabeth kind of molding me into like a real a competent um, working student to be able to go on to bigger programs and kind of and be able to be as successful as I was um, so that would be my kind of first first advice. Gotcha. Yeah, that's good. You wouldn't send your 14-year-old to Boyd Martin right off the get-go. <laughs> like some, I'm not, I'm not going to answer that like question. Some, I know better. Like some parents you're talking to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. We just dropped them off at the gate and said, we just peeled wheels. See ya. Let us know when you're done. <laughs> You'll be all right. that, being, that being said, that being said, Joe, Joe had Caitlin and Mike to help guide him in and his way. Joe had Caitlin to Thank protect God him from for Mike. Thank God for Caitlin. Okay. Sorry. I was trying to, I was trying to throw Mike a bone here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny funny i guess i guess, no no i just mean i think obviously it obviously it worked out for joe maybe i'm speaking more no, for no, girls i get it no, no, I that totally, are a little totally, bit more sensitive we totally get it we yeah, totally get it yeah. absolutely no we're just and we're also just joe is like right in that neck of the you know like he could still go home at night i'm talking about girl like people that have to move somewhere or whatever like yeah, yeah. I, i'm not saying anything about what you guys did i think it's awesome <laughs> obviously joe had a pretty awesome weekend at bromont i'm so excited for him and for you guys oh, and thanks. all his hard work paying off oh appreciate that thank you yeah he's a good kid 
part. But, but when Caitlin said she's leaving, we I took a big gulp. I know. We were like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, no, just yeah. Awesome, awesome. So, hey, as we uh, – that is excellent advice. Yeah, I, it I, is. I do, I do totally get what you're saying. So, um, sponsors and stuff, who do we uh, – who do we have behind you? We always like to kind of start winding things down where we talk about sponsors and who do you got behind you? So I'm super lucky. I have a great saddle company called Forestier who outfits me. Um, They fit, they fit my horses really, really well and they keep me super secure and I love, they're so comfortable. I love riding in them. I've got almost all of my clients in them now. And at first, you know, in the beginning, they're kind of like, eh, we don't need a new saddle. And then they rod in mine and they're like, okay, never mind. We'll spend money and we'll find it. We'll buy it. It's worth nice. it. So, um, forest gear for, for sure. And then I actually have, um, a company called zero point and, um, I have this, uh, sponsorship through my dad and my dad's best friend it's um the the company was kind of founded by um an old ski uh ski racer and um it's called zero point and they um create compression wear and it's been a huge thing for me this year especially in the winter like they make leggings that i can wear under breeches and um I don't really I'm not going to pretend that I understand the science of it because I definitely don't but um the socks and the, and the pants, like if I, I put them on and I, the support that you get from them, um, especially for me and my, like my feet, uh, they just like all of a sudden I have arch support and who would think that you would get arch support from a sock, but you do. (laughs) Um, so I really, I really, really like, I'm excited about that company and continuing to work with them. And they've talked to me a little bit about actually producing, they're interested in, and I know other companies have kind of gone this way, but I'm excited to help develop. Um, it's like compression wear for horses, but it's more like, I'm not talking the full body suit. We're talking about like the leg wraps and stuff like that. So it'll be, you know, we'll, it'll be exciting to see kind of what the next year brings and doing like some sock type of things that would go, you know, from just above the hoof up the leg, if you have, you know, a tendon injury or you're trying to prevent a tendon injury. Um, so we have, we have those types of socks now that would go under their boots for cross country or whatever, but this, the, the way that they develop, um, this compression where, like I said, the, the support that I get, I think it would be really, really interesting if we could get the the science and the, and the fit, the fit's the most important part. Um, if we could get the fit right, I've been doing a bunch of measurements on my horses and sending all that information into them. So we'll see, we'll see what we have. Maybe, maybe something exciting. Yeah. That's awesome. That I'm looking really at the cool. website now, Karen, very fancy, a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. And then, um, so I'm not sponsored by them, but my farm would not survive without, um, my, I have a TheraPlate. Um, and they're great. I love the horses, love standing on that before getting groomed and um, kind of help help warm them up. But also can, in like obviously in this situation where uh, in the summer down in the south, when they 
if they've had a really hard workout and you don't necessarily want to take them out in the sun and you go and you cool them down and with a hose, obviously, and then you put them on the TheraPlate to have a little bit more um, cool out so that, uh, you know, you're, you're cooling them down properly. I think that's super important. And then I also have hay gain, um, which I love, especially because it's so humid here and just being able to really make sure that we're cleaning cleaning our hay and um and that the horses love it um the steaming you know steaming taking the sugar out all the all the good things and um and i feed buckeye and um love their grain it's wonderful the horses look amazing and um they're super great company to work with um so i'm very lucky to be able to work with them and uh and feed their grain and i think that's it awesome. oh nice the buckeye the buckeye feed Buckeye. that's i i uh, feed. i know that's a mars so whenever we're seeing buckeye everywhere because this is mars yeah and, and uh so now buckeye's yeah out there. i they are um so mars i think mrs mars i believe kind of run like buckeye is um is under mars incorporated and um so I think I think it's all related. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. Awesome. So as we wind things down, how do people follow along, get in touch? And what about if people are coming down for the winter? Are they able to kind of ring you up and check and see if you had any openings for the winter winter boarding down there or anything? Absolutely. How yeah. Do people, uh, how do people follow guys, along? Yeah. So I have um I have Facebook, which is you can friend me. It's either Annie like Annie Goodwin. Or uh, my business account is Rafterwise South, and then I also have an Instagram, which is Annie Goodwin One, I believe. And then my website, which I encourage everyone to go to. I've had a lovely reconstruction of my website by Athletic, um, and they've done a great job kind of managing the website. It's very up to date, and so if you need to message me or whatever, I get those directly, and that's RafterYEquestrian.com. Awesome. awesome. And Annie underscore Goodman Goodwin one. Annie underscore Goodwin yep. one. So just to be hundred percent. And I did check glad, out your website. I'm, glad you're on I'm on top of things. I'm looking out for my <laughs> guests always. Uh now the website's beautiful. I <laughs> yeah, love it. it. You got some video. It's very cool. I love it. I love it. And yeah. We just had Frankie on that too. You can long check ago, out so. the farm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's an awesome website so well karen was this awesome or this what? was great holy smokes annie thank you so much for coming on and 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 sharing your story and sharing you know the the you know the arthritis and and uh which that comes across sounding weird but i think that that just is helpful to people yeah i think you know? so absolutely I think it works, yeah. So, yeah thank you for your honesty and your bravery and just thank you for being super cool not no thank you for trying to get me in big trouble with getting a corgi but uh um, Gator, Gator just wanted me to tell you that she really would love to love to have another little Gator running around at the horse shows that she could play with. So, um, Rob, I think I think you need to make that happen. There was a little boy dog running around the, the stabling at Bromont. That I think weren't yeah. weren't they trying to play matchmaker with Gator? Oh, don't worry. Okay, I'm gonna send you that picture because it. They I told I told her that Gator was maybe looking for a daddy. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> we get a gator baby. That yeah, was a cute maybe, 
there you go. We can, you can, if, if Gator has babies, you can have one. Uh, oh, 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 there, oh, oh, oh. You hear the Karen squealing over there. Sorry, Rob. Um, now we're, you're done. What are you doing to me? You're done. <laughs> we invite you on the podcast and now you get me buying baby dogs. Uh, well, uh, it would be nice to have a cute little Gator baby. Yeah. Wouldn't that be the cutest yeah, to have a Gator baby? Oh, be. my goodness. Oh. Well, Andy, thank you so oh, much yeah. for coming on the show. Yeah, we, this we, is great. This is fantastic. Of we, we love seeing you out there, and you're always so friendly. And uh, we just love we're, we're we're super glad that you know we made friends with you, and we're glad yeah, no, it's been it's been very fun. Awesome, very fun. I'm I'm happy to know you guys. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. It's been so fun. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. You can leave us a review on Apple iTunes. Or visit us at MajorLeakEventing.com. Cheers!